This is Digital Communicators, the comms focus show for the tech sector. Hello, my name's Simon Coughlin, Director at Babel, and welcome to the latest Digital Communicators podcast. Today's episode is part of a series of podcasts. I'm speaking with influencers about the B2B technology trends of 2024. Today, I'm joined by Kamala Shaladi. Kamalish is a digital and business transformation leader with more than 23 years of cross-industry experience. Having formed her own consulting business in 2012, she has advised many multinational companies in Europe, Asia and Africa, helping them to harness the power of emerging technology, including AI, augmented reality, automation and blockchain. Kamalish has been widely recognised as an industry thought leader and is also a teaching fellow at Durham University Business School and she was the first chair of the Forbes Business Council Women Executives. Kamalish, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to join you, Simon. Can we kick off by you talking about your career to date, what you've been up to over the past 12 months, and perhaps outline your main passions and interests in the world of technology? Absolutely. So I started my career, as you said, 23 years ago. I've been quite an active member of the tech industry since the mid-90s. I started off as a program actually back then in the mid 90s when programming wasn't as user friendly as it is today and eventually went into management consulting. I was with companies like Accenture as well as Deloitte and was the head of Deloitte Digital in Switzerland in 2012 when I decided to leave and start my own consultancy, Ladi and Partner Consulting. And basically, this was rooted in my passion for technology, emerging technology specifically, and the understanding that these new technologies are developing rapidly and could have a transformative impact, not only on the business landscape, but also in society at large. It's been a fantastic journey just watching these technologies develop, but also being part of that journey in implementing these technologies across various industries. To date, we have worked with companies across the globe, across industries, and what truly distinguishes what we do in our company is that we have a proven track record in orchestrating seamless digital transformation journeys from strategy all the way to execution of technology that emphasizes the human element. And I think this is something that's really becoming uh, a visible importance for companies, that human element in digital transformation. Artificial intelligence has, has been the key technology term of 2023. What role have you had in helping organizations to realize the value of artificial intelligence? So I have to say the last eight, nine months have been transformative in terms of AI. And one of the most exciting things that I find about the rapid development as well as the mass adoption of particularly generative AI that we've seen in the last couple of months is the fact that conversations have shifted with companies, uh, leadership teams, as well as generally organizations as a whole are starting to see value and starting to accept digital transformation as a necessity within the organizations. And this shift in mindset really started around the post-COVID era where organizations were overnight forced to adopt technology. But what I find still a little bit challenging as well as alarming, particularly being very close to the market and in constant conversations with leadership teams, is this hype um, this hype cycle that tends to follow technology development. So if you look at it over the last couple of years, we had a big hype around crypto as well as blockchain. We had the, the hype around uh, metaverses last year. And this year we're looking at generative AI being the top point of conversation in many companies. And I do believe that 
um, artificial intelligence will bring significant transformation in the business environment. I think that it's going to create benefits and values that are transformative. However, it isn't a silver bullet solution. And it's unrealistic for organizations to think that uh, artificial intelligence is going to be the, the one all fix for challenges that they're facing within the organization. There's still a lack of knowledge and uh, skill sets as well as capabilities around uh, artificial intelligence application in business. And there are still major gaps in terms of the prerequisites that should be in place for organizations, such as data strategy, as well as um, governance structures and so on. In a nutshell, I think, you know, there's significant benefits that we're going to see for organizations, but it's going to be a journey that goes beyond chat GPT as your AI strategy. And outside of AI, what have been some of the other big technology subjects that you've been speaking with clients about this year? I think the convergence of various technologies have been uh, a main part of our conversation. So beyond looking at technology solutions such as blockchain or uh, virtual or augmented reality, IoT, as well as some of those enabling technologies like cloud solutions, 5G and so on, we're seeing the convergence, the potential of these technologies converging to offer holistic solutions that are going to be incredibly impactful in the next couple of years. So if I give you an example, artificial intelligence creates the ability to manipulate large amounts of data and create real-time information insights that could be developed for rapid decision-making. But one of the key challenges with AI strategies is this black box effect of the data that's being used and how decisions are made. And if you layer blockchain solutions that create transparency and create provenance across your data strategy, this creates a solution that could be quite transformative and impactful. And so I think bringing together different types of technology solutions are going to be the conversation center point for many companies. But at the core, and this is one of the things that we try to emphasize when we talk to companies and leadership teams, at the core, it's truly about understanding what is your organization's specific requirements, what are the use cases that are going to bring real business value for your organization, and really coming from a strategic perspective of digital transformation, and that is understanding where your company needs to be in the next couple of years in order to survive and thrive the digital economy and really developing solutions that align with that vision. That's where companies need to be focusing their efforts. And any other top tips for what's going to be hot in the B2B technology world for 2024? Definitely one of the key elements that is growing in importance that I've seen over the last two decades, as well as the human element of technology. And this drove me to actually write the book that was recently published, The Human Side of Digital Business Transformation. The human element or the people element can really make or break any technology implementation, any digital transformation journey within an organization. And so having a strong understanding for how people use technology, how you can get people, workforce, uh, or even your customer base to not only use technology, but also advocate for technology and take them along this transformation journey of moving your organization from where it is today towards your vision in the next couple of years, that's where your strength lies. And a lot of times leadership teams tend to focus on the digital aspect of digital transformation, really looking at technology implementations as well as trends and solutions out there in the market. And there's so much less focus on the transformation element, the element of taking people on this journey of transformation and creating advocates for the technology. I think that's where we are falling short. And 
this importance of the people side of transformation is becoming center point for many organizations and it's starting to shift mindsets as well. So I'm really excited to see this correlation starting to build as leadership teams start to understand the value of people and the role that they play in digital transformation and the success of those technology implementations as well. It's quite refreshing that you're focusing so much on people and their role in digital transformation. I know obviously in the hype around AI, there's been a a lot of discussion around the potential impact on humans, uh, their role in organizational effectiveness in the future. And I know your recent book clearly focused on the role of people in digital transformation. How have people reacted to that book? What's been the feedback? The feedback has been fantastic. I think uh, readers have found the book incredibly insightful as well as it's resonated really well in the realities of what organizations are facing today. And I think one of the key triggers that um, inspired me to write the book was over the last two decades, as I've worked with organizations in tech implementations, whether it's SAP implementation or programming or development of any kind of tech solution, or even if it's any kind of transformation work, process transformation or redesigning your organization structure, whatever kind of work I've done over the years with organizations, I found that there's always been a significant amount of focus on this project implementation elements or the tech implementation elements. The focus on a start date and an end date for an implementation and defining um, tangible outcomes. But one of the key elements that tends to always get Uh, forgotten or overlooked or even uh, dismissed in terms of relevance is the people element. And the people element tends to be what makes or breaks any kind of technology implementation in a company. It's the element where you understand how people use technology. Why do they use it the way that they use it? How do we create this shared purpose within an organization so your workforce as well as your customer base and all key stakeholders align towards this shared vision of what your company should be and you take them on this journey? And I think here the role of leadership teams as well as board members are so significant within the corporate environment because they are the people that drive decisions within the organization towards this new journey. And so I've seen time and again over the last Two decades where the people element that's forgotten or missed tends to result in poor outcomes for digital transformation. And this is why we see a significant number of digital initiatives or digital transformation initiatives tend to fail within organizations. I think the, the statistics that's quite familiar is over 70% of transformation initiatives tend to fail. This is because there's no clear direction in terms of how do we take people on this journey with us as we transform the company and as we implement solutions. And so one of the things that I tried to lay out within this book is a time-tested framework and solution that we've utilized a number of times across various organizations, across regions and industries, where it's been proven successful to follow this methodology and define how an organization should transform and how do we take people through this journey with us. So it's still very rooted in the technology element because at the end of the day, I'm a technologist, uh, but I've understood and I've had to almost um, become an expert in people transformation as well because it's such a core element of technology. You've also written extensively about the impact of job losses in the tech sector on women and minorities. In your view, what has been the impact of cost-cutting across the tech sector on workforce diversity? I think one of the things that surprises me constantly is the technology industry tends to be one of the most innovative industries in the world. 
But when it comes to cost reduction or when it comes to optimizations of the organization, even the tech industry tends to fall back on traditional approaches like cost cutting. And if we look at the traditional construct in the tech environment, the diversity or the higher level of diversity tends to be at lower levels within the organization. So we're seeing as a result of that, and there are a number of studies that demonstrate this, as a result of this cost cutting or cost reduction exercise, we're seeing loss of diversity within the tech industry. And this is quite alarming because one of the core elements that you know we understand is that we need to have diversity of thought within the tech industry. And diversity of thought refers to not just gender diversity, but diversity of cultural backgrounds, variety of experiences, age diversity, neurodiversity, and so on. And when we have this diversity of thought, we have companies developing solutions, particularly the tech industry, where solutions and technologies that are being developed are transforming industries and impacting lives across the globe. We need to make sure that these technologies that are being developed for the masses rather than a subset or a subgroup of people. The only way to understand our biases within the tech industry, the only way to ensure that we're building solutions for the masses is to have a diverse set of teams or diverse set of people and skills involved who understand our blind spots and understand what we need to focus on. So we don't hard code our biases into the technologies that we're building. So what we're seeing in the industry is with this uh, cost reductions that are happening, we're seeing a loss of diversity. We're also seeing some of the, the critical roles that are being lost are the ones that relate to uh, diversity and inclusion as well as people management, such as HR, talent management, and so on. And these roles are critical in ensuring that there is a drive of diversity within the tech industry. So this is one of my key concerns as we start building impactful technology solutions such as artificial intelligence that will eventually change our lives or every aspect of our lives. We need to ensure that we're not hard coding our biases into these systems. And the only way to do that is to create diversity. Among your other accolades, you were the first chair of the Forbes Business Council Women Executives. Can you tell me a little bit about that role? Absolutely. The Forbes Business Council is actually a community of people, business owners, as well as corporate leaders who are handpicked and selected for this community. So it's an invite-only community of people. And it basically creates an environment where Business leaders can share experiences and insights with one another, create a community of knowledge sharing, as well as utilize one another as a sounding board as we go forward within our leadership roles. And so the Forbes Women Executives Group was founded uh, in 2021 to allow the women leaders in the group to basically generate mutual understanding as well as knowledge sharing about the challenges that we face within our own roles as well as to use each other as a sounding board for problem solving and knowledge exchange. And so I was chosen as the first chair of this community and part of my role was really to create a synergy as well as engagement across the group. I think when we started off the group was about 100 plus people and then it grew to about 300 plus uh, and now we have far more members within that women executives group. And we utilize that group. We have monthly sessions where we have knowledge sharing sessions. We have guest speakers, as well as really discussing points that are relevant to leaders with an angle of uh, diversity and inclusion. So if I give you a clear cut example of this, leaders in digital transformation face a number of challenges in 
implementing technologies as well as driving uh, change within the organization. But if you add a layer of uh, diversity challenge on top of that, this is something that's uh, fairly challenging for us to discuss and face as an individual. So we utilize this group as a sounding board in terms of how do we address some of these challenges and basically create a common understanding within the group that will help us move forward as well. So it was a very exciting time. I was the chair for uh, a year long and we did a number of activities and I found that experience incredibly enriching. I mentioned in the introduction that you're recognized as an industry thought leader. In your view, what does it take to become a thought leader? This is a very interesting question, Simon. I hadn't actually even really considered how the process worked out. But what I can do probably is just share the number of things that I did in my own journey to be considered a thought leader in, in different circles, basically. I think one of the core elements is you've got to have a very strong presence and very strong uh, expertise or experience base within the industry that you're in. Uh, this could be a functional topic or an industry to topic or a future-facing topic, whatever it is, but to have a really strong basis of knowledge and understanding in that space. And I think it isn't just about building knowledge, but it's about having experiential knowledge, practical on-the-ground implementation knowledge. This is so critical. And uh, over the last 23 years, I've been able to, I've been very lucky actually to work with some incredible organizations where every single project or every single engagement has been incredibly enriching and has built on my experience base. The second element is really to be able to share that experience openly. And I think we, we should not be gatekeeping our knowledge. We should be sharing it widely. And the focus for me really, and my goal here is to ensure that the information and knowledge is shared across a broader group of people. And that was my main motivation for creating any kind of presence across various channels online is to be able to share what I've learned with the a new community of people or the next generation of people doing similar work. The third element that I find really, for myself, quite important is to be bold and to be provocative. Provocative in the sense that being future facing and thinking outside of the box and thinking beyond the current state. And this is for me essential as a thought leader where I believe that it's not just about having the current understanding for how things are, but anticipating how things could be in the future and how things should be in the future. And this is something that I really pride myself about having a bold voice and not being shy about sharing my knowledge, sharing information, but also sharing my predictions as well as how I think certain environments should transform. And so one of the things that I'm really passionate about as a thought leader is not just technology implementation, but how organizations should approach technology implementation, as I mentioned, bringing in the human element, but also around the elements of diversity in tech and why it's critical. So I'm fairly bold and fairly vocal about these topics, as well as being able to predict what happens within organizations, within the business landscape, within the corporate environment, how things are going to develop in the future. The fourth element that I would really share is being or having a good understanding for the various platforms and how you want to be able to share your knowledge and content across those platforms. Obviously, utilizing different platforms can 
take a, a good amount of time. So being able to understand how you want to do that and to be efficient in doing that as well is quite critical. Uh, and the fifth element, I think, is really creating a network of people that you can leverage on as well as share information with. So having a very strong network of other thought leaders and other people where you can share information, you can leverage off of each other. And one aspect that's really key to me is really having this shared learning. It doesn't matter how advanced you are in your knowledge, there's always something to be learned, as well as something that can be learned from other people and their experiences. And this is something I'm always keeping myself open to. And you mentioned those channels. Which channels do you most regularly use either to consume thought leadership or, or to give your own thoughts on, on technology trends? So I've been incredibly active on LinkedIn for quite a number of years. Uh, it's been a core channel that I use almost on a daily basis, not only to share thought leadership, but also to learn as well as to generate leads for our business. So I find LinkedIn one of the, the best kind of business focused channels uh, on the market. I used to be extremely active on Twitter. Twitter used to be the channel where you could access any thought leader online and have really strong in-depth conversations and learnings from people across the globe. The sentiment as well as the Mindset has shifted slightly on the platform, so I'm less active on Twitter today. Other channels for information gathering as well as research and knowledge gathering. I love podcasts like the one you're recording at the moment. I also do enjoy online newsletters as well as platforms where you can gather information, aggregation sites. So those are some of the channels that I use on a daily basis. I am less active on Facebook, but also quite active on Instagram. It's a channel that Instagram is probably one of the, the channels that are best to access the next generation of people, a younger generation of people, as well as TikTok. I'm quite active on TikTok with my daughter. And I find that it's actually really exciting to see, if I can just mention this on a side note, it's exciting to see how the channels have shifted. The way the younger generation are consuming content, especially on channels like TikTok, where there are 30 to 60 second content being shared, but there's some really insightful information. So if I take financial knowledge development or financial management as a topic, kids these days are getting that information and sharing that information around how do you manage your finances? How do you build a business? How do you create a side income or how do you uh, build wealth on those platforms? Obviously, not all content that's shared on those platforms are business related or productive, but there are some really insightful content creators that are sharing information and the younger generation are absorbing that information very quickly. So I find this shift in how content is being shared and how thought leaders are sharing their content shifting and that's very exciting to observe as well. Just finally, if people want to find out more about your work, perhaps some of your thought leadership, where should they turn to? I am on LinkedIn as well as uh, most of the other social channels, but I think check out our website, ladinpartner.com, as well as my book, The Human Side of Digital Business Transformation, which is available on Amazon and Audible. And we also have a new platform called the Digital Transformation School that offers online video courses that's certified so people can build up their knowledge on digital transformation and generative AI. Marlish, thank you very much for your time. Best wishes for the rest of 2023, and I hope you have a very prosperous 2024. Thank you very much, Simon. It's been a pleasure to join you here.
For more information about Babel and other episodes of this podcast, head to www.babelpr.com forward slash podcasts.